It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think a new team has arrived in the AFC West, and their name is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Stops, launches deep. Jalen Guyton, he's got it. Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. 17-yard line, look out again. Carr, intercepted. Welcome back to the Shock Therapy Podcast brought to you by the Say It Again Network. I'm Tyler Lawrence. You can find me at LAC Shock Therapy. Zach Alfers at Zach Alfers. Zach, 53-man rosters are set. Practice squads are set. Uh, Team. Football is just a week away, dude. Like, I'm ecstatic. Like, let's go. It's here. All of the the offseason excitement is built up to this. We have a 53-man roster, I think a very strong one. Uh, got added to as after it got finalized, adding Sony Michelle. Um, I'm excited. I can't wait. I've been waiting it, since that last game of the 2021 season for the start or 2022 for, I've been waiting for so long and it's finally upon us. We are so close. I can't wait to get into the pod tonight. So let's get into it. Let's just, let's get into the 53 man roster. I would, I kind of just want to start with this. Like if there was a weakness on this roster right now, as, as it stands, uh, I feel like we are very deep kind of across the board. What do you think is kind of the one weakness of this, this, the depth of this team and where is it at specifically? I, I, I guess I would say the weakness is the depth pieces are all uncertain, right? They're all unproven. I feel like a, Face value, I think we're a lot better team. Most of the star talent has came back if we haven't added to the positions. It's the depth pieces we just don't know about. They're question marks. They're mostly rookies. They're mostly unproven players that haven't played significant roles. And so when you look at that, that I think is the the most worrisome thing is that we have a lot of guys on this team that are young, that are hungry. But at the end of the day, they have not had a whole lot of NFL tape. It's a lot different having the dog in you, going into practice and performing, but can you do it on Sundays when it really matters, when everybody's watching? So I think the biggest thing to me 
It's just the lack of proven guys on the depth, on the like filling out the rest of the depth chart. Um, I think besides that, I think we have a really strong team, and that's what gets me the most excited about the news about who made the team and who didn't. So I'm going to go kind of off on that. And I, I think we are a little uh, light in a couple positions. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is safety. So I'm not, I'm not ready to call JT Woods a strong depth piece. I feel he's more of a, a strong developmental piece. The tackling yeah. issues, uh, Mark Webb ended up making it to our practice squad. Uh, he has some injury issues so far in this short in his career. Aloy Gilman, I really like the player, also a player who's, who's kind of um, got a little bit of injuries there. Uh, I really think that also edge, we only are keeping three named edge rushers. You've got Kyle right. Van Noy, you can go out there. Uh, Kenneth Murray still coming back from injury. Um, if one edge rusher goes down, then we start shuffling around a little bit, and that's kind of concerning. Um, I'd also say our, I, I was really hoping we would have found a, uh, replacement for Will Clapp on waivers. Uh, I don't think Will Clapp played all that well. I don't think it's too big of an issue because I think we've got a lot of interior depth, but that's another player I was a little concerned about. Um, but those are, are the, the three areas on this roster I think are a little bit light. Uh, a case could be made that tight end is also a little bit light there. Donald Parham is nursing an injury. Uh, we did keep Hunter Campmoyer as a uh, practice squad player who could potentially come up. I'm not overly worried about it because I think Gerald Everett has been relatively healthy throughout his career, and Trey McKitty is just asking for, for an opportunity. So I'm really not too concerned about the depth, really across the whole roster, because I feel like you've got players who can uh, fill the void. But there are some areas where it might be a little uh, – a little bit mendable, not really. Uh, it's not really super thin. I would say it's mendable. You can kind of bend, but don't break in certain areas, but definitely not, not all the way strong, definitely strongest depth we've had in years, but there's some spots that I think that um, I think that we could have shored up with waivers, at least one more uh, player to kind of round out the depth. So those are my thoughts on it. Um, we ended up keeping three quarterbacks. I, I think that we were in agreement that that was going to happen. I feel like everybody across the board felt like they knew who was going to make the roster. Uh, anything you want to touch on with the three quarterbacks? I mean, just that we kind of hit on it last week that it's the, it's the the atmosphere around Justin Herbert. And regardless if you see the value in Easton Stick, it's not for you to see. It's that Justin Herbert is getting better. That's where you're seeing. That's why Easton Stick is here, because Justin Herbert is getting better. We don't want to stunt that in any way. That's why Easton Stick is on the team, because Justin Herbert's getting better. He's going to continue to get better, and they have built a good chemistry. That That is that is where Easton Stick's value lies. I, I think he's suited up, what, like three or four times since Herbert's been on right. the organization, but it, it's it's more than that. He he. It's the relationship, and it's the comfort you know, the comfort level that Justin Herbert has with that room. So uh, I agree with it in the fact that you, you don't fix something that's working for you. Yeah, I got you. 
Uh, we did decide to keep four running backs. Initially, it was Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, Isaiah Spiller, and Larry Roundtree. Uh, Larry Roundtree is currently on waivers right now as we went and signed Sony Michelle, which I was ecstatic about. He was one of my top free agent yeah, targets. Uh, so I was definitely on board with Sony Michelle. Uh, and he's going to come in. He'll probably be RB2 to start off until Isaiah Spiller is able to, to come in, uh, hopefully steal some snaps from Michelle uh, because he's playing well. But if he doesn't steal snaps, then I'm totally okay with Sony Michelle. Dale Franny definitely made this running back room a lot deeper. Uh, and then Larry Roundtree, I don't see anybody uh, worried about him hitting waivers. And if he does leave, He's ultimately a, a, an easily replaceable player. Uh, you can find a, another Larry Roundtree on anybody's roster if you absolutely needed to. But Roundtree is definitely now the fifth running back on this roster. Um, and I really feel like Joshua Kelly separated himself uh, the last couple preseason games and, and really made a name for himself, potentially as an RB2. Um, I think the Chargers have a really good problem at running back because we don't yeah. know – which of these three players is going to be the RB2. In my opinion, it's probably going to to be Sonny Michelle. Uh, it just depends on how quickly he can learn his playbook. Yeah, no, I'm excited. It was one of those moves, like, at, as first as it, as it came through, I wasn't super excited about because I just thought it was, like, I thought we, we had the depth. I didn't. I wasn't super excited because I was banking on the potential of those three guys, the Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller. Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, because I believe in the potential in all three of those guys. At the end of the day, it brings me back to where we're at. A lot of these, a lot of these players on this roster are unproven. Sony Michelle is is a proven running back two in this league. He even showed that he can carry the running back one role if you need him to. He was playing some really good snaps for the Rams last season before Cam Akers come, went came back, and I feel like. You reverse that role if Cam Akers didn't get healthy, if he wasn't, if he didn't rebound as fast as he did. I thought Sony Michelle was going to be able to get the job done for the Rams. Um, so I'm I'm excited. Whenever you can add, whenever your running back two and three get dropped down a slot, the overall room is improving. And so whenever you can add a a proven vet to a young room of guys who are hungry and willing to learn, and with Joshua Kelly, who you've seen has taken strides in his development. That's all good things. We have a good problem. I don't know how these guys are going to fit into it, but I think a Sony Michelle type of player, what he's good at is going to be highlighted in a Lombardi style offense. I'm excited to see what we got in this guy. You know, I really liked him coming out of Georgia. I really liked him playing in the Patriots system, which is really great for running backs anyways. Uh, and then you look at the fact that he kind of has a similar running style to Joshua Kelly. Um, He's not a guy that's juking guys out their shoes, but he he's definitely lowering his shoulder and delivering the boom. Um, and I, he's just got some experience. I mean, he's he's basically uh, rushed for over four yards per carry in every single season, um, three point nine in in the season. I think that he was hurt a little bit, so not that that big of a deal. But he's also just a, a really consistent back, a guy who doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes, doesn't put the ball on the ground a whole lot. Uh, he comes from some solid coaching, Sean McVay's and and Bill Belichick. Uh, and I think that he's just going to help develop the young guys a little bit further. Definitely has a totally different skill set to Austin Eckler, so that's going to be able um, to, to bring something else to that running back room. 
I think Isaiah Spiller's got a little more twitch to him. Uh, I think Austin Eckler's really, really good out of the backfield catching passes. Uh, Joshua Kelly is going to be the, the between the tackles runner who's much more decisive. And then I think he's hitting the holes kind of a, this season. I think you get kind of a blend of, of all the different things uh, with Sony Michelle. And I'm just really, really excited that we went and got somebody who's really consistent. I haven't seen the numbers. I'm guessing it's not all that much. And he just helped lead a Super Bowl caliber team to a Super Bowl. So did that as a lead back. Basically, all of last season, 850 yards rushing, I want to say six touchdowns, um, and plus like one or two through the air. Uh, the only part of his game he hasn't really developed that he showed in college that he just hasn't had the opportunity to is as a pass catcher out of the backfield. That's the only part of his game that, I mean, he's only getting like 20 targets a year. So that's the one part of his game that he hasn't really rounded out, but uh, there's a clip running around on Twitter where he's basically decleating a, a pass rusher. I, see uh, that. I think it was like a, a, a corner coming off the edge. Um, really, really fun player. I'm, I'm really, really ecstatic to, to get Sonny Michelle in here. Uh, what are your thoughts about Xander Horvath winning the, uh, the fullback role? Oh, a bit surprised, happy, um, but Surprised. Uh, I, I think we both kind of felt Gabe was the better lead blocker, and I think we are both right at this point. Um, but I think it, this is like the overarching theme with the, this roster. Positions are really just an, an asterisk, it feels like. Um, they're expecting and believe in a lot of guys on this roster to do a lot of different things. And I think with Xander, I was thinking he plays fullback. To me, that is a lead blocking position. It's like the better lead blocker in my eyes. This preseason was Gabe Neighbors. I thought he took some strides in that area, um, but that was really it. And so it seems like that is not the case. Fullback, I think, is a one of those positions that in, in this coaching staff's eyes is versatile. Um, they can do a lot of different things. And I think you've seen it in, in – they're going to lead the, if they need a lead blocker, I think they're going to just stick Trey McKitty back there. He's one of our best blockers on, on the team beyond the offensive lineman. Um, they believe a lot in that kid. They want to give him more snaps. So I think they were comfortable in giving Trey those snaps and Xander, you're going to see play a big role on special teams. Um, and I am really excited to see some more two back sets. You talked about the depth in the running back room. Xander in my eyes is, is a guy you need to get the ball in his hands. I want to see what he can do. I think he's has the athletic traits. Um, I'd like to see what this guy can do in space. And I think the development is going to come. Um, I was surprised to see them go Gabe to, to get, go away from Gabe neighbors, but I, I think I understand. And it's the philosophy that you, you're not just what your position says. We have 53 good football players. And in their eyes, Xander Horvath was one of the 53 best football players on this roster, regardless of position. And I was definitely watching and keying into Xander Horvath pretty much all offseason. I do think at this point in time, Gabe Neighbors was the better player. But if you're looking at building the team for the future, Xander Horvath is the player. Uh, and, and they gave it to him outright. So they didn't even bring Gabe Neighbors to the practice squad, which is interesting. 
that's that's something to to monitor as well. Um, but I feel like long term, uh, Xander Horvat, developmental player, is going to outshine and potentially become a, uh, a, a one of the Watt brothers, right? Like a a, a key special teams contributor. Uh, Derek Watt was instrumental to our special Absolutely. teams there for a few years there. So I get it. Um, I understand it. I do don't think it's a mistake. I just think that at this point in time, game neighbors makes your team a little bit better. Uh, but they thought otherwise. Uh, the other player that, that was a uh, preseason darling was Michael Bandy. I understand why we did not bring back Michael Bandy. Um, just ultimately doesn't give you enough uh, special teams ability uh, as a six wide receiver who's never going to see the field. And he ended up making it through waivers and, and stayed on our practice squad, a player who could potentially make uh, the 53 if there's an injury to say DeAndre Carter, Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer. Uh, he's kind of limited to the slot. He's, he's really limited as a player, which is probably another reason a lot of other teams didn't go and sign him in the waivers is, what else does he bring to this team? And outside of being a key slot wide receiver and potentially returning without any like outstanding uh, kick returning ability, just a, a player who's going to um, pretty safely catch some punts, maybe get you a yard or two, but he's probably not breaking off any large returns. He's not a burner or anything of that nature. He's just kind of a really solid um, slot player. Uh, who can run some routes and, and find some space and get open, but not dynamic. And I, I think that really hurts him a lot. Well, yeah. And beyond just not him making the roster, I was more surprised that he made it through waivers, but I think you hit it on the head is he plays slot specifically. And you have so many good receivers coming out now that, Slot production used to be something you had to go and fill. Like it used to be a, a given skill set that you had to go and seek out. Everyone coming out of college now, I feel like for the most part, if you're a receiver and you are gifted with receiver given skills, you're going to be successful in the slot. And um, he lacks the size. He lacks the elite athleticism. That's really the only way he can function. And he's really good in that role. I was surprised he snuck through. I thought somebody would have gave him a chance, but I'm happy he's back on our team. I think he's developmental. Uh, I, I just felt like there wasn't a spot for him because we have three legit slot receivers above him. But uh, I, I think he's a guy that will eventually be able to produce, uh, yet we just don't really have a spot for him right now with how our room is shaping up. You know, the whole slot conversation is is actually been changing quite a bit because – I feel like there there's a lot of teams moving away from having the speedy, quick slot receiver, right. and they're going for big, athletic guys, uh, tight ends that that fill the slot. I mean, you're seeing Travis Kelsey ex excel sure. there. Uh, Keenan Allen's six two. Like he's not a small guy. He's he's a slower slot receiver who's a very very dynamic route runner. And then you're seeing a lot of guys that are kind of like tweeners. Like they're they're uh, they're sending running backs into the slot now. They're sending um, some of the, the big six, eight tight ends. I mean, Donald Parham does all of his work from the slot. So it's no more, it's no longer quite as important to be a small, quick, shifty slot receiver when you can replicate it by 
a lot of different game planning things that you're doing now. So um, you, it's it's just a lot harder for the West Welkers to make uh, NFL rosters anymore. And West Welker was only good with one team ever, and it was with the best quarterback um, in the NFL over the past, you know, ever. So it's just it's going to be a lot harder to to make to be have to be limited to the slot position and make NFL rosters because you can just replicate it in so many different ways. Yeah, and it's all about exploiting mismatches. It, it doesn't matter now like people are moving their DBs around same way as offenses are moving their receivers around. It's my guy is going to be better than this guy lined up here, run the play. That, and that's what kind of the NFL has evolved to. It's one-on-one yeah, matchups. So how, where thing, are you going to exploit them? The last thing I kind of want to touch on is Michael Bandy didn't play any quality cornerbacks the entire camp. So you didn't get to see him play one-on-one matched up with, you know, one of the better right. coverage linebackers or uh, one of the better slot defenders, right? Like you're just not seeing him uh, play that quality of talent. So, you're kind of just looking at what he did during training camp, uh, during the practices. And I mean, if, if you weren't there, you didn't get to see that. Right. So right. I didn't, I saw more from Michael Bandy playing in preseason games. than I read from Daniel Popper about the training camp practices, all 18, 19, 20 of them. Like how much did you read Michael Bandy uh, excelling during practice versus seeing it in a preseason game. Nobody's talking about that. That Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I think, and I, and I mean, we, I feel like me and you are both on the same page where, especially for this organization who didn't play our top 15 players did not see the field this preseason. That's significant. Your best 15 players are not on the field. Like, yeah, you went 0 and three. Obviously I would have liked to gone three and oh, I would, I would have. But it's not like that big an indicator because your guys aren't – you're not full strength. So I, the fact – to me, the the practices were where this team is getting that evaluation. You're putting your top guys or who you think your top guys against who are your top guys, who you think are your top guys. So that's where the competition is drawn out. Like you're saying, I have not read much about Michael Bandy. I saw Michael Bandy in preseason games because he was the best left, and he did well. But he wasn't performing against top-tier talent, and he's obviously the coaching staff filled similar way. Otherwise, they would have made a, an open roster spot for him. You're starting offensive line from left to right, uh, pretty easy. Rayshon Slater, uh, Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, who's dealing with some sort of injury. I know he missed practice today. Uh, haven't heard anything major about it. Zion Johnson and then Trey Pipkins was named the starting right tackle, which was expected by just about everybody. Uh, Storm Norton will be your swing tackle. Jamari Salyer and Brendan Jaimes made the final 53 uh, as the your interior guards. And Will Clapp is the one player on this um, uh, group that I expected to be replaced potentially by waivers. Uh, I think of all the offensive linemen that are going to make this 53 will clap is probably the least impressive and he's a veteran and he gets a lot of help playing the center position. He's got help left and right of him. And I just did not see a whole lot from will clap. Now I understand that Joe Lombardi has some familiarity with, with will clap, 
but still I would much rather take a, a flyer on a guy like Alec Lindstrom, who is a rookie undrafted played very, very well at Boston college uh, to maybe potentially develop underneath uh, uh, Corey Lindsley, uh, who has been very, very healthy his entire career. Um, I get the, uh, the, the, understanding that Will Clapp has uh, familiarity within the system, but I just don't ultimately think that he's good enough to be just given the, the backup center position. He was, he did not have any competition whatsoever uh, for that role. So any thoughts on the offensive line specifically talk to me about Trey Pipkins winning this. Um, Cause I, I think that's like important to this, uh, like not enough people are talking about Trey Pipkins winning the starting position. No, I think you are in a, I think you're, we're in as, as good of a position as we could have been when we decided to not address the position through the off season, right? We brought back two guys that the fan base wasn't very confident with that, you know, obviously the coaching staff wasn't confident with, or they would have decided a guy had a head start at the beginning of the camp, right? It's been, battle from the day one as the last season ended it was always going to be a battle at right tackle uh i think trey pipkins didn't dominantly win but he showed a little bit more um and i think it's always good when you can demote your starting tackle from last year who didn't perform and you put him into a swing tackle role whenever your swing tackle has starting experience you are in a a, a better position than we were last year uh at least as as far as depth um, and a very important position. Both of those guys are gonna are gonna play some snaps, especially with how Lombardi likes to mess around with defenses. You're gonna see both of those guys play. Um, I'm excited. You know, Trey Pipkins didn't blow me away by any means, but at least the the hype that we're hearing about him has at least been confirmed by the coaching staff. They see a lot more than me and you do, a lot more than you know the general public gets to see. So. If they believe in him, I'm gonna believe in him until he gets it. Until he proves me that I can't believe in him, um, I'm excited. You know, we've heard all about it that he was thriving under Duke Mannyweather all off season. Uh, it's time to go put it to work. He has a, a really good running mate in him, maybe a bit unproven in Zion Johnson, but he's gonna have some help that he didn't have last year. Uh, that was a, a deep hole right guard. You talk about right tackle, right guard was also a hole. Um, last season i don't think it's going to be that problem this year i think we got a lot better across the start the front five um and then i like our depth because a lot of those depth pieces were some of those depth pieces were starting for us last year all right so uh moving on to the defensive line i think the the big takeaway here is that we kept Braden fahoko uh which is just huge the the fact that we kept fahoko over christian covington is just going to pay so much back to us just investing all that we've invested into this player um the bolts revamped the whole position group in the offseason they brought in established veterans yeah. with special joseph day austin johnson uh the whole goal was really to fix the run defense another player who who really impressed game over game over game was morgan fox uh he is an upgrade over jerry tillery and is making less than jerry tillery uh, Tillery surprisingly didn't play in the last game, um, could potentially be the starter. I'd really like to see Morgan Fox named the starter at that position because I really thought that he was 10 times better 
than what Jerry Tillery has been this entire time. I'm kind of surprised that Jerry Tillery wasn't kind of dangled as trade bait at this point in time. Um, I, I, I could see a situation in which Jerry Tillery gets traded and Christian Covington, who did not make the 53, but is on the practice squad is the only true vet on the practice squad. Um, I'd be looking at something similar to what they did with Jalen Rager. Uh, Jalen Rager was just traded around for like a sixth conditional pick that could turn into a fifth or a fourth if he plays certain meaningful snaps or whatever it may be. Um, I, I would be dangling Jerry Taylor as trade bait right now because I think that you have a, a replacement easily uh, who's probably still better. I still think Christian Covington is probably better than Jerry Tillery. So that's the one thing that I kind of wanted to bring up with Jerry Tillery. Braden Fajoko, I'm so, so excited to to get this guy in. I mean, and congrats to him. I mean, that man worked for it. Like he deserved, it's not like we had an open spot. Here you go. That man made it necessary for it. Can you imagine the, the, the backlash that Chargers Twitter would have had if they didn't keep Jared Braden Fajoko oh on my gosh, roster? Been, we would have lost it. Yeah, we would have been. This place would have looked like Philadelphia after the, the, the Super Bowl. Like this. We were lighting cars on fire. fire. Yeah, we would have stormed Jack Hammett's sports complex. Um, the man earned it. So hats off to him. He's had some of the biggest he's 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 taken steps, he's gotten better, he earned his spot. I think beyond Jerry Tillery making the team, I'm super excited to see Morgan Fox. Not only does he make our defensive line better, I think he he's shown he can rush the passer from the edge. So he is he is a he's a big part of why we only have three edge rushers on the team. Him and a lot of other guys, but it's that versatility. These guys aren't just one thing. It's not what their roster position says. These are football players. Morgan Fox is a good one. Um, can't wait to I, – I keep watching Sebastian Joseph Day's interviews. I can't wait to see him just let loose and let all that personality go uh, on the football field. But I think we have a really good defensive line. A big weakness from last season has gotten better. Um, that's exactly what you want when you're a team like the Chargers who is hungry, ready to compete at the highest level. I think we're very close. Now all that's left is to go out there and prove to the world that we can do it. Have you watched the camping interviews with Sebastian Joseph Day where he's interviewing Justin Herbert? And I think he just interviewed Khalil Mack. Have you been watching those? So I no, I today was the first day I found those. I didn't know this was a thing we were doing. And then uh, somebody at work today put me on them. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I took a look and I was like, that's great. And then just like every off break I had today, I was putting one on. Um, this guy's personality. I want to go hang out with this guy. Like, Let's go hang out. So <laughs> it's funny as I'm, I'm going to Mammoth uh, literally like right after this, I'm going to go pack and we're heading out to Mammoth for the weekend. Uh, holiday weekend and i'm just i wish i could bring this guy camping with me because he has just got this weird <laughs> funny personality it's uh, strange and then right you even take into account like his own podcast with um uh what's his name uh the boxer um bite your ear off what's the name of the boxer tyson he's got a oh, podcast no, no, no. with mike tyson sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs i've ever worn 
If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. <laughs> Does he? It's just know. like his brain is so weird, man. I love it. He's, he's Every- definitely one of those guys who's quickly becoming a fan favorite, much like Brain Fahoko. Uh, and then I, I guess we've been talking about Fahoko. I'm super ecstatic about having him. The Chargers have a, a great history so far with a lot of Polynesians. Um, I just got to bring it up. Did you get a chance to watch the Manti Teo documentary? I did. What? What, what a, story. a wild story! Like I felt like I knew quite a bit about Manti Teo. The whole I situation. I did too. I knew very, very little about what actually happened. Like this is like Tiger King level of like, wow, what this really actually occurred. Like. And it's absolutely insane. And I totally insane. get the whole catfishing. I knew what catfishing was when that ended up happening. Uh, but you're talking about a guy who's stuck in Notre Dame, like this cold place where he's probably the only Polynesian in the entire state. Right. And then he starts a relationship with a woman online, which isn't that far-fetched. Like, that didn't happen that long ago that people were doing stuff like no. that. No. My 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 biggest thing with that is like people want to be like, oh yeah, you should have known. Like he felt a little off. That's why he went around town asking, hey, do you know this person? And then he got validity. Like, oh yeah, I've been interacting with that person for years. Like that's a little like that's gonna give you some confidence that this is a re- like real person. That's gonna especially if you had some type of feelings. Like you're gonna suppress like your doubt, right? Like. He was well, think asking about the depth that this went. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so it's such the, an insane on the, story. On the ventilator, that person took it to a level, yeah. And there's some ways to break up with some people. I get. I feel so bad for everybody involved in that story because the before and after videos are so shocking. Like, do you? I forgot how absolutely dominant. He Manti was, was. was the face of college football because, like, you looked at first of all, like, let's be real. Part of the reason he made it into the Heisman voting was because of his story, right? He had a great Absolutely. story, a tragic story, right? Loses his grandmother, loses his girlfriend, right? But then, like, he's going into the game, has the terrible game, the the championship game with this on his mind and he's like how do i how do i talk about this for one like two like his dad didn't want to hear nothing he's like paul yeah I, you know i grew up around a lot of tongans um my dad was raised by tongans all my my uncles are all from the whole samoan culture right so like um you, 
it's just it's a totally different culture like the way that they do things or um you don't your children don't embarrass you like that's like yeah. the big part of the culture like your children carry on the family name and they carry it on with respect right and this guy is like oh my dad's gonna kill me when he finds out about this right but i feel so sorry for the guy because it yeah. really like have you did you ever get a chance to watch the tinder swindler no, I haven't got to that one. All right. It's I haven't like got to that on one. That yet. level of just like wow, like the the depths that this person went to 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 carry on this relationship and to the point where like she ended it and then she like reeled him in and he's like, "Wait, like take a picture, write this date down, give me this." Like dude, like I just yeah. feel so bad about the, the whole situation. Yeah, no. There there's yeah, there's no winner. It's so sad from every level. The dad was a big one to me because you can hear him like in his interviews. He's like, yeah, I forgave my son. But you heard him also saying like he did not forgive his son. And it's like goes back and forth in the same sentence. You're like, yeah, I'm forgiving him. But he brought dishonor to the family. And it's like yeah. the ups and downs. Like nobody has recovered from that situation yet. Like Monte. No. He is a different person now. He, I mean, severely. he was just on a practice squad last year. The Saints no, practice squad. Was he? Is he? I didn't know that. Yeah, like. He was on the Saints practice squad like week 15 or 16, um, which is just insane. And then I guess what I want to close on talking about this is also how that girl thing, guy, whatever, you know, um, how she made it feel like she was kind of like the victim, like, like she is going to be a pillar for the whole LGBTQ community, but really she's just a fucking cunt because wow. she did. Okay. And maybe I shouldn't be cussing on the podcast, but she's a cunt. So I'm just going to say that, put it out there. Cause it's just insane what she did to this guy. And then she tried to, yeah. to belittle him or or even like act like she was like the victim because of her sexuality and how her how she identifies but none of that matters because she just destroyed this guy's life like i i think i think it all mat i think it all matters and i think it all makes this thing super complicated um do i think i don't think she is right like i think she messed up just as he i think she messed up she is the instigator she messed up but the I just can't go out and say, you know, I don't know what people who aren't comfortable with their own genders. I, I can't go out and say like, oh, yeah, you, you messed up. Like, I don't know how difficult that is. She wants to say that is difficult. Like, I'm going to believe her. I'm going to take it at face value because I'm not somebody who has had to gone through that transition. I've seen people who aren't comfortable with things come out and take a stance. Like, I know that that is difficult. Now, how she went about it, how her process her process, I'll get. I'll, I'm with you on that. I didn't like how terrible. her process was. Like, if you're dealing with that stuff internally, like I, I understand you, you are, you are hurting. You are looking for some type of consolation. Like you're looking for some, you know, acceptance. I understand all that. I don't. My problem was with the procedure and how to get there. Uh, that and then and and beyond that, I feel like we can get very harsh or really too really too fast because we weren't involved with it we don't really know what monte was saying back like we've seen the documentary but 
I think there's layers to this thing. It's a very, very complicated situation. And when you have people who across the board are struggling with their identity and how they are placed in this world, um, I think it adds a little nuance to to the situation. I don't like how she approached the the, the whole thing. I think the process was super messed up. But that that's that's my stance. She, she, I mean, all she had to do was end it and then keep it ended. But I think she should have ended it. But um, whatever. But, like but it, again, the whole situation is terrible. Let's get back awful. to football. Football. <laughs> all right. Uh, we keeping outside linebacker Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Chris Rump. Kyle Van Noy is kind of listed in both areas as an inside linebacker and as a edge rusher. I think he's going to get opportunities at both, especially when Kenneth Murray. Uh, comes up to speed, uh, comes up to strength. Um, overall, it's not really as light as people think it is because there's a lot of players you can move into this position. You can move Cal Van Noy to play off the edge. You can move Morgan Fox to play off the edge, who has history there. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenneth Murray got some opportunities, probably wouldn't recommend it because he was terrible at it last year. But if he's healthy, who knows how that could pan out. Also, another guy really far down the list. I mean, you're really like you're you're injuring about the entire team before you throw him off the edge. But Jerry Tillery has experience playing off the edge on the Chargers. Another terrible experiment gone wrong. Uh, but you you have enough guys to rotate there if you absolutely need to. We also kept some guys on the practice squad uh, that we'll talk about here in a bit. And Derwin um, can rush the passer. Like we got people. Oh like, yeah. There's people to rush the passer. Like we we're gonna figure it out. Um, I. That is something glaring. You know, three edge rushers. Who who does that? But it's it's beyond that. I think you got to look at the whole core. You got 53 football players. And in terms of playing outside linebacker in this Staley's defense, I mean, yeah, I did not see too. Joey Bosa drop in coverage very often at all. you got two of the premier pass rushers, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, who are just going to destroy. I mean, I am so ecstatic to see them actually play off of each other. Chris Rump, I thought, played really well in the preseason, so you've got a guy to, to – uh, get some breathing. I know Brandon Staley said that he expects his edge rushers to stay on the field 80 to 90% of their snaps. I saw that. that. He said 90. He said, if you're good as good as Khalil and Joey, you should be playing 90. I feel like that's a pretty strong indication of how he views uh, those two players. And then you'll get Chris Rump giving them some breaks. There's you know, your 10%. Yeah, there's your 10%. Kyle Van Noy will probably get a percent in there as well. So. Uh, inside linebackers, Kenneth Murray, Nick Neiman, Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga, Troy Reader, and Drew Tranquil. I fully expect Drew Tranquil to be the starting linebacker. I think that he is the best linebacker we have on this roster right now. Uh, Kenneth Murray will get some opportunities. I'm wondering, how are they going to phase Kenneth Murray in? Is this going to be like a week one thing, or is this going to be like a week four thing? Just just looking at the history of how Staley and company have liked to handle these things and where the rest of the roster kind of shakes out, I think it gives you the luxury to kind of ease him into things. We are a very good football team without Kenneth Murray. I think we're better with Kenneth Murray, but I don't think he needs to immediately play to compete for a, a win week one, week two, week three. Like, this is... 
that is the strength of building such a rounded roster. It doesn't make you force people into roles before they're ready. I think that's the biggest thing with Kenneth Murray is that we signed him with huge expectations without a linebacking room, without a defense, really. We had some pieces. We had Joey Bosa. We had Derwin James. That was the defense. And then we were expecting Kenneth Murray to be, you know, the big three, like the the filler. Like He's good. I think we put a lot of expectations on him. I think it is good to kind of tone it back a little bit and ease him back into roles. So I, I think, and I think because of the fact that Kenneth Murray is not going to be an day one, I don't think is an inside linebacker on this team. I think the, the Staley views him as a, a football player. So he's going to mess around with them. I think that is also going to deter how fast, he picks up the playbook, how fast he gets back into the speed of things, because he's not going to just be playing looks at Mike. He's going to be moving around. And so I, I don't think, I think the plan I'm hoping the plan is to ease him back into things. And by week four, you'll have a more defined role for Kenneth Murray. Um, so here's my thoughts on Kenneth Murray. I think Kenneth Murray's only been at camp since the 21st, which is 10 days, right? So he's only been here for 10 days. Uh, and I'm looking at our schedule, right? Our first game is against the Raiders on September 11th. That's okay. another two weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Chiefs four days after that. And then September 25th, uh, toward the end of this month, it gives him basically a full month to come up to speed. And I'm looking kind of at the Jaguars, Texans, Browns, Broncos. Yeah. This is really the easy part of our schedule. Uh, I'm probably not putting him in a game until at least the Jaguars, September 25th. That gives him time to ease in, uh, kind of come up the speed, get his body into football shape, because it's definitely not yeah. football shape 10 days after. No. I think that's kind of the sweet spot. Uh, you can let the injuries kind of play out, see how the guys are a couple weeks down the road. And I'm really looking for Kenneth Murray to come back at the end of the month, uh, kind of week two maybe give him 10, 15 snaps of, of real game snaps yeah, and see how he does. Um, because I don't think that we need him in that quickly. I think Troy Reader played very, very well in the preseason, racking yeah. up a ton of tackles. And honestly, based off of what we've seen from Kenneth Murray in his first two seasons, Troy Reader has been the better player, right? So if Kenneth Murray, who's got more talent overall – has that four or five speed, um, sideline to sideline speed is really what makes Kenneth Murray special. Yeah, uh, liabilities and pass coverage, all of those things. Uh, that's Troy Reader. So Troy Reader can kind of fill that gap. Kyle Van Noy can fill that gap. Drew Tranquil is the best linebacker on this roster. Um, Over Van Noy, you, you you said you said that again. You think Tranquil is better linebacker than Van Noy? I think Tranquil should have been a full-time starter last season. Uh, I like I Drew like, Tranquil. I love Drew Tranquil. I really think that he's really, really good in pass coverage, which is hard for linebackers. Typically, it's the other way around. Linebackers are typically right. really good at defending the run, usually not as great at defending the pass. I am really high on Drew Tranquil this season. Uh, one of those surprise players that's going to just shine because he's got the front. I love it. it. We've been we, – I, I think, yeah, I, I'm a huge Drew Tranquil fan. I think 
going back to the Kenneth Murray thing, I think another reason why I would like him to come into the rotation a little more week four and on is that soft stretch you were talking about. I feel like the biggest thing that we are lacking right now with Kenneth Murray is his confidence. You have a kid who was very good, always has been good, and then gets we trade up for him to add him to a very good team with high expectations. He just underperformed. That is a very hard pill to swallow. And I think you're seeing beyond just the learning curves and the adaption to the NFL speed of things, you're seeing a guy who has gone, who's lose, lost a little bit of confidence. I think that stretch of games is a perfect place to build that back up because I, I believe in the guy. I think he just, it's about time just him believing in himself and going out and, and proving it, that he can do it. I think he can do it. I'm ready for him to to prove me right and prove himself you know, right because I know he's Murray's, betting on himself. Even in Kenneth Murray's rookie season, I thought he played pretty well for a rookie. Yeah, and I think that the injury that he sustained in the preseason, he had a couple of them. He had the ankle yeah. injury in the scrimmage, and then he hurt his opposite ankle a few weeks later. He gets better. He plays through it. He gets the surgery. He had the shoulder surgery just before that season as well. I think that his rookie season was a pretty good trajectory of where he was headed. And then the injuries piled up and then everybody was like, oh, this dude is dog poo. Like he is not good. And I just don't think that was ever the case. I think that he was injured last season. Like that too. That too. But I, I think it's a confidence thing. Like, I, I think he had bought in a little bit in too much into the the fans saying, oh, yeah, he's washed. Like, I, I, I think it's a combo of he lost some very crucial development time. But then also, I don't know. I think I might be looking a little too much into it. I can't wait for Kenneth Murray to be back out there rocking the nine, making plays. Uh, I believe in the guy. I, I still think it was a, a good move to go up and trade up for a guy like that. Um, I just want him to not be I want him to work Murray, out. and I want him to be canine, and then we're good. Go canine. Let it out. Let the dog out. I think there's a little dog in there. I think he's a little leashed up, and I'm ready to let him go. Uh, going across the defensive backs, you've got at the cornerback room, obviously, uh, we've got JJ uh, JC Jackson. Uh, Michael Davis may get the start outside of him. Uh, you've got Asante Samuel, who – will also play on the outside. Uh, You've got Bryce Callahan, who should be the starter in the slot. I was really ecstatic to see Dean Leonard make the roster. Uh, Jasir Taylor, who's going to be that other player who's been playing primarily out of the slot. Dean Leonard had a great camp. Um, Take the games out. Look at the reports from The Athletic, from Daniel Popper. Leonard earned that roster position at the safeties. You got Nasir Adderley. Derwin James, Aloe Gilman, JT Woods, a little bit light here. Uh, we still have Mark Webb on the roster. He ended up falling straight through waivers. He is on our team. Um, not overly concerned about the group as a whole. Uh, it's broken down with six cornerbacks, four safeties. Uh, some players have some position flexibility. James is definitely the probably the most flexible player on this entire team. Adderley is probably in line to start next to James. Uh, had a really impressive spring practice, continued into camp. Gilman provides depth at the safety position as well. 
Woods has not looked great. Um, uh, player, he just needs to learn how to tackle. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. He needs to learn how to tackle. J.C. Jackson is recovering from the injury issue. Uh, he's definitely going to be the number one lockdown corner. Probably going to be available week one. Another player, if he's not available week one, keep him out of the Chiefs game. Bring him back on the 25th at the end of the month. No need to, to rush him back. Uh, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. So Callahan is going to be the slot. Seventh-year corner, 45 career starts. Uh, Taylor was a 2022 uh, six-round draft pick. He's been very, very impressive playing out of the slot. Uh, going to be a core special teamer, one of those guys that's going to – I'm expecting him to have that Adrian Phillips kind of uh, effect to this defense. And if not this season, probably by next season. So I love our, I love our DB room. I'm excited that both corners drafted made the team. I, I, I was – I was thinking Mark Webb was going to make that team. I understand why we went away from him. I think he's still going to be involved with the organization. Um, still think he could eventually make this roster at the, by the end of the year, but I like how our depth is um, a lot of speed there that we've lacked in years past. There's a lot of guys running sub four fours now uh, on this team, which was has ne really never been the case uh, adding speed. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of versatility you touched on. Um, and then the firepower up top. I don't think we've ever had a stronger five, top five DBs. Um, a lot, as, at least as long as I've been following the team. Um, that is a really solid starting five with J.C. Jackson, Bryce Callahan, Derwin James, Nas Adderley, and then insert Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., ever, however you see fit. Uh, that's a strong top of the class with lots of depth to round out the group. So I'm excited. There's some playmakers. I'm glad we re-signed Mark Webb and Keeman Hall to the practice squad. Um, uh, there's a lot of good players in that, in that DB room. So let's talk about the practice squad to kind of close this out. Uh, we are keeping two tackles, Zach Bailey, Foster Sorrell. Honestly, I don't get it. I think both players were god-awful. Foster Sorrell and Zach Bailey really, really struggled during the preseason. Um, Zach Bailey's on his second season. Foster Sorrell, I think, is in his first season. Uh, he was on the practice squad last year, so he's a carryover. This guy is so far away from making any type of uh, – if, if a tackle goes down, none of these guys are coming up getting activated from the practice squad. We're going out, we're finding a free agent somewhere. That's yeah. just my thoughts on it. I think he is so far away. I'm surprised they both made the if if a player is gonna make it, it's gotta be Zach Bailey because Foster Sorrell was even worse. But Zach Bailey was worse and Trey Pippen was the last offseason. Just put that hey, in perspective. People get better. Uh, uh we are keeping three wide receivers Michael Bandy, Jason Moore, Joe Reed. Joe Reed and Michael Bandy are kind of those two players that you're kind of keying in on. Michael Bandy has that – I mean, he had a great camp. We've talked about him probably more than we've ever talked about an undrafted player ever. So Michael Bandy definitely deserves a lot of the praise. Joe Reed, I think if anything happens to DeAndre Carter, I think Joe Reed is the first player activated because of the returning ability. But, again, another player – 
who offers no punt return value whatsoever, which is weird. Why have we never seen this guy return punts? Um, why? Answer that question for me, please. Why have we never seen Joe Reed take a punt? That doesn't make any sense to me because, right, like he he – that was a role for him with the gadget returner guy. And if he isn't excelling in either of those roles, why are you not looking how he is going to all you're looking at in punt return is to make one guy miss. I believe Joe Reed can do that at a high level. He has a wiggle to him. He's going to get loose. He's going to beat it. If you can beat the first guy, you're a productive punt returner. Um, he, he must have just like unsettled hands in that phase of the game. I just, I, I, I don't get it either. It doesn't make any sense. At least give him looks. Like I want to know, I want to know if he can do it or not. And I don't know because we, we have for whatever reason, not give him a chance. I, I, I know a scout in the organization. I'm going to, I'm going to ask him the question. He's probably not going to respond to me. Well, <laughs> He's ask him. Be like, no, dude. ask him, get him on the pod, make him, I would never public? be able to get him on the pod, so <laughs> I can't even tell you his name because what's his name? Uh, I've I've gotten some uh, I've I've gained his trust, and part of like being part of the Chargers organization is you don't talk to the media. He he does talk to me, but he doesn't give me any answers I'm looking for because he's because he he'll lose his job. Like Tom Telesco will fire him. But what if but, you tell him we're the we're the new media? What it about, doesn't matter. What about that? What if we're the new him. media? <laughs> I mean, he probably doesn't know. He's just a scout anyways. It's the coaching staff ultimately who makes his decision. But he's the only guy in the Chargers organization that I actually know. Um, That's good. And I know you work for it, too, because it's not like we're not talking to people. We have been reaching out. We just haven't uh, got any many responses. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about corner. Uh, let's talk about cornerbacks on this practice squad. We got Keeman Hall, uh, Michael Jaquette, who I've not yet to, to actually watch at all. Uh, he was the first waiver guy that we ended up signing. Uh, and then Mark Webb, who is our safety. Uh, those are the three defensive backs that we're keeping. I like Keeman Hall. I, I understand we kept him. He's he's been a Charger for a couple years now. Uh, a player that has been kind of a key contributor to the special teams room, not really shining a whole lot as a true cornerback, but as a football player, uh, yeah. there's a reason we've been keeping him around. And then uh, Raheem Lane. So Ben DeLuca is no longer on this depth chart, which is a little surprising to me because I thought Ben DeLuca played better in the preseason games. Again, I didn't watch almost any of the preseason um, training camp practices. So Raheem Lane is a player I need to go back and watch a little bit more because I just don't know enough about him. Well, and what's interesting to me about the practice squad is that this new organization is starting to kind of lean towards proven guys who can do it, and we're going to keep them in case of emergency, as opposed to I feel like we have turned the 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 you know we have turned the page with our depth pieces as these are guys we believe in that we're going to develop. There's really been a lack of development on this team. Like 
think about the last late round draft pick to play a significant role for this team. There really hasn't been it. If you get drafted in a role, you kind of excel in that role and you get stayed, you stay in that role and we go out and sign veterans to build around that. This new team is all about building guys. So I think that's what you're seeing. We're moving away from guys who can kind of get the job done in a crunch situation, as opposed to guys who I believe can get the job done, just not yet. So I think that further down the road makes us better. If we, you know, get some injuries on the top of the depth chart, it might be problematic sooner, but I think it in the long run, it makes us a better football team. And that's what I think both you and me are on the same page. We don't want a one and done by see you later, Seattle Seahawks. We want to be a dynasty. Remember us, you know, New England Patriots type of thing. Yeah. Um, the last players we'll talk about is our defensive line guys, uh, Christian Covington, Joe Gaziano, and Carlo Kemp. So I thought there was a handful of edge rushers who performed very well during the preseason games. Carlo Kemp, Carlo Kemp was kind of a late bloomer for me. Uh, but if you're looking at kind of the talent level and trajectory of players, Carlo Kemp was a really, really good Michigan stud who never got a great shake. I know he had some injury issues in college. Um, and I know that the, the player that I was really looking at was actually um, not Yamiki Bule, but the guy who went and played in the CFL. What was his name? Uh, the other edge rusher that was in that contention of making the team. Um 44. I can't think of his name right now. I thought the he new- played the run very, very well for the uh, for the Chargers defense. Um, but it was really between him and Carlo Kemp. And I think that Carlo Kemp offers more of what you're looking for um, in terms of size, in terms of potential. I mean, going to Michigan, being a starting edge rusher when they had Aiden Hutchinson, when they had David Ajabo. And he was in that rotation with them last season, um, season before last. So he is a player that I think that when you're looking at the trajectory of the player and, and ultimately who they can become, um, you see the talent that he has really came on strong during the last preseason game. And he kind of came out of nowhere and, and made this roster. Um, maybe not the 53, but made the practice squad. And I, I, I understand it. And I, I kind of like the player really looking forward to seeing how he develops probably next preseason when we talk about him again so <laughs> all right you you made the prediction that's an early prediction we'll see all right any uh anything you want to close out on Zach uh close out on we are in store for an amazing Chargers football season I've been excited for a minute um I just can't wait I'm just excited for football season to be back. Regardless that Chargers are playing, that's a plus. Football is back. We get a kickoff tomorrow. I think college football games get started. This is always a fun time for me. Um, I can't wait. I'm excited. Let's let's bring it. Let's get into it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week as we will preview the Raiders game. Uh Let's get into it, dude. With our next podcast, we're going to be breaking down. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go. All right. Thank you, guys.
sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.